Choose life. Choose a sport. Choose a drop zone. Choose a start time. Choose a fucking big jump plane. Choose turbine engines, speed, unlimited altitude, and endless horizons. Choose height, no low turns, and travel insurance. Choose jump tickets. Choose tiny action cameras. Choose your mates. Choose a rig and matching helmet. Choose swoop shorts and a range of fucking fabrics. Choose 120 vertical speed and wondering who the fuck you are on a Sunday morning. Choose sitting on that couch, watching debriefs, spirit-saving slow-mos, smashing beers after last load. Choose standing on the podium at the end of it all. Choose a win you'll love every time. And the reasons? There are no reasons. Who needs reasons when you fly NZ Aerosports? Of course, I absolutely love the NZ Aerosports business model. I mean, come on. One glance at an Icarus fuck yeah sticker and you know it lines up perfectly with the fucking pilot mentality. But outside their wonderful use of colorful language and a great company vibe... There's a long list of reasons to say NZ Aerosports, fuck yeah. NZ Aerosports blows me away right out of the gate as a canopy manufacturer with a bold offer. They give you 10 jumps on your brand new nylon to decide if you want to keep it, swap it out, or even return it for a refund. I mean, seriously, how incredible is that? That's like getting halfway through a prom and deciding you prefer the slightly racier date that goes down faster. Seriously, they do that. If you're not madly in love with your new canopy after 10 jumps, they'll let you swap it out for another size or model or even get your money back. And the range of canopies they've got? Man, they've got a style canopy to fit every jumper and every situation with models you know and trust. Like the Sapphire 3, the perfect choice for the beginner or intermediate canopy pilot. The Crossfire 3, when you're ready to kick it up that elliptical notch. The JFX 2, if you're looking to up your new swoop game. The Leia as the workhorse and dirt water dirt beast, or the Petra. The Petra cranks out crazy power and is nothing short of a record breaker. But hey, it's not always about speed either. Take the Kraken. Built as a low pack volume canopy specifically with wingsuiting in mind, she gives you all the performance you're looking for with the reliability you need that'll have you itching for that next formation, rodeo, or puffy cloud. So the equipment is top of the line kick-ass stuff as you already know, but how about the team? Well, the customer service gang is there to sort you out whenever you need them. Maddie and Beto are always there to help with Jen holding the reins. They're available for you at sales at nzaerosports.com and they've got a kick-ass live chat tool on the website if you're wanting to hit someone up right away. These are the crew you're going to want to talk to to get those custom orders in. With the stock nylon, once you know what you want, they'll have that shit on a FedEx truck as soon as the credit card machine says approved and get you in the air in no time. For your custom orders, you'll be able to get a time frame for building and shipping when you design it, so get to it. And demos. They've got demos in the U.S. available from their partner Rock Sky Market. The whole U.S. demo fleet is there with Sapphire 3, Crossfire 3, Kraken, JFX2, and Leia canopies in a range of sizes. They also offer student and tandem demos in the U.S. Bottom line, every step of the way, NZ Aerosports is there to get you what you need, and I personally couldn't be happier to be teamed up with them here on Lunatic Fringe. And now, time to get started with Lunatic Fringe Into the Void, brought to you proudly by NZ Aerosports. Fuck yeah! Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go. Time for part two with Troy Hartman. I got to know, though, so first off, how the fuck did you manage to set the whole parachute on fire? Because that's still watching the clip and then you've you've got a great photo up of you still under what looks like a flying parachute, but it's just a ball of flames. (laughs) How, how, how did you guys pull that off? Okay, so... Luckily, we had a we brought a pyro uh, professional Hollywood pyro guy on, you know, and said, "How do we do this? What are what are we going to have to deal with?" And the biggest, first of all, they had to come up with a good mix. I mean, they did a ton of testing. They mm. did a ton of testing on the ground with a, with big fans. They went through multiple canopies, and they found that the burn when they first started just dunking it in kerosene and then you know putting it in the fan and lighting it, it was doing nothing or it was burning up really fast or it was just uneven. They, they did so many, they tried so many different things. And I know that in the end they, they mixed, you know, they had a certain mixture of kerosene and something else that was like gel. It was like a gel that wouldn't evaporate too quickly. And then they put a bunch of uh, 
cotton. They put a bunch of cotton baffles to absorb. They, they just did all this stuff, right? But no, we had no idea if, how it was going to go. But the one thing they told me was you got to get open and you got to light this thing quick because in about 10 seconds, it'll have evaporated. And, right. and that's it. It's, it's not going to happen. So we had one shot at it. And I, you know, I'm up in the plane. It's just in the bucket. And uh, Joe was going out with me. And, and it was it was a bit of a cluster because, you know, I jumped and they had said, make sure Joe gets there before, you know, make sure you give time, Joe time to get there before you do the, the whole thing. And what had happened was Joe, the helicopter almost took Joe out on that particular stunt, because as soon as I jumped, Joe went to go out after me and the helicopter pilot just freaking flew right underneath the otter. Oh, right as Joe was getting ready to go, he saw the helicopter. And so... He almost died right there, but he, he didn't jump. He delayed. So then by the time I'm open, I'm looking around for him and I'm taking my sweet time. Cause I'm like, well, what's the point if Joe's not here, right? It's just, we've blown the whole thing. And so I waited a little bit and when I did shoot it, yeah, I thought it was not going to happen. It was just, it was like nothing happened. I right. shot it and I was like, well, that's it. You know, we're done. We just wasted all this money. That's the, that's not going to happen. Right. But then you see, you start seeing the little, you know, the little embers and you start seeing stuff happening. And of course I'm just like, oh shit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh shit. What's going to happen here? Right. (laughs) (laughs) And then it started going. And of course it's like, whoa. (laughs) And then, yeah, I just, I just, you know, the main concern is, is this thing going to wrap me up? What, you know, but. I figured as long as it's behind me, you know, sure. it's just, you know, and, and it just, I did, I wrote out the little, you know, ball of burnt material and it, it was, yeah, it was really cool. I mean, well, it, it turned perfectly. out to be, I mean, it turned out to be an epic stunt, but as I look through the list of things that you've done, a lot of them definitely have Joe's flavor to them because you flew yeah. a lot of uh, solid objects through the sky. I mean, didn't you, you wrote a grand piano, didn't you? Yeah, the grand piano, that was, yeah, that was a good one. And then the one that the one that's really trippy, this is crazy. Uh, I went out in a uh, Suzuki Samurai. There's okay. So let's do. You know, they had, Joe had guys had gone out sitting in convertibles or whatever, but like they said, let's put Troy in the car, which is fucking ballsy. But you know, they assured me it's going to work just fine. Okay, so check this out. That stunt. That stunt went really, really wrong. <laughs> We go up and we're in the sky van and we're in the, I'm in the Suzuki and they had all these lines, you know, that were going to just be cut with, with, um, with a hook knife. They're mm. just going to each guy. I think there were two main pieces of webbing that they're each going to just hit with a hook knife and the thing was going to go. And there was a drogue that was going to release and it was on a static line. And now it's going to be under a drogue inside the car. Cool. I figured, you know, that's the main thing as long sure. as the drogue's out. Uh, I'll just sit in the car and should be a nice steady ride. Sure. Well, you can see it in the video. <laughs> it was Todd Shubotham, Scott Christensen, and Craig, Craig O'Brien was filming and Joe was filming. As they push me out and you see the guys snipping the, the lines, suddenly you see it was obviously we went back to watch this, but we see Todd's body language. We see him, see him kind of like, like roll his shoulders up and grimace. Like, oh, oh, shit. Like, he just did something wrong. You can see it. Well, anyway, so here I go, out into the free free fall. Yeehaw, you know, I'm in this thing. It's it's all, it's exciting. But then I realize, I'm like, wait a minute. I'm upside down. And now I'm, now I'm all over. I'm like, okay, there's no drogue. This this is not going right at all. And I see the bag and I see the the material, the, the, you know, all the stuff is just bouncing off the windshield in front of my face. Right. So I'm like, I'm out of here. I just, that's it. I'm done. I shove the door open. And as I'm climbing out, just a big piece of the drogue line, it just goes right around the back of my helmet. And I I feel it as I'm trying to get out. I just feel it because I'm backing out. I'm going out backwards. I'm kind of pushing myself. And I feel this thing wrap around. And I'm, for a moment there, I'm like, oh, shit. This is when the whole thing's going to open. And so it's when the whole thing's going to just rip my head off. Yeah. And I just, I cleared that. I got away from the, from the thing, flew away. All was good. Now here's the thing that's so, here's the perspective from the ground. Okay. So you've got the crew on the ground. They see the dot go out of the plane. 
all right, cool, cool, cool. And they're watching this thing. All right, they're filming, they're filming, they're filming. Great, great, great. Now they see, they see Craig O'Brien, they see Joe, and they're like, okay, Troy, now's the time to get out. Now's the time to get out. Okay, get out, get out, get out. And you just hear everybody screaming, get out, Troy, get out. And you, and you see the, the, the cameraman start shaking. You see everybody's in panic and the thing just fucking impacts. And you just, you can feel it. You can feel it in the, the, the crew, just on sure. the video. Every, everybody just goes silent. And you see the co-host. She is just, I mean, you see her fucking nipples. They're just, <laughs> that's the one thing you know is her nipples just get really hard. <laughs> I'm going to have to rewatch I that. Mean, yeah. <laughs> you, she is, and a lot of people that watch the video are like, oh, you, you know, nowadays they say, oh, that's all fake. Oh, good acting, blah, blah, blah. No, they thought I was dead. Sure. They were convinced I was in that thing and I was dead. And everybody's like watching like, holy shit. It sure. just happened. We just fucking killed Troy. This is it. And it, you can <laughs> on MTV. I had just I I had gotten out so high, no one saw me. Is the thing I got out so freaking high that no one even knew. So, dude, it was it was that was just a messy. For me, it was actually no big deal. I just got the hell out, and that was the end of it. But sure. from the ground perspective, it was just like holy shit, man. <laughs> that's, that's where you have to laugh and picture you landing as everyone's facing the opposite direction, and you walk up with your canopy over your shoulder, going, "What's yeah. going on, dude?" <laughs> What's going yeah, on, gang? Yeah. I'm like, woohoo, yeah. <laughs> so I got a question for both of you guys because um, both of you, I, I thought of this when your was that your daughter that walked in the door? Oh, my son. I think. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. So your son walked in the door. So you've got young kids. Um, both of you guys now are, are are taking care of kids, and you've both done some pretty fucking sketchy shit in your lives. What do you tell the kids when it's time to tell them what daddy used to do? Have you thought about that? You know, well, <laughs> we've, we've shown them a couple of videos just to, and they're like, Oh, cool. Okay. Can we switch the channel? You know, sure. like every now and then we'll be like, you guys want to see something cool. So yeah, they certainly at this point don't give a shit. They're right. just like, Oh, that's kind of cool. And then they, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, and I'm, I don't know, one of my kids is going to want to be a pilot. I'm almost certain of that. Just sure. the pilot, just, I think one of them will at least want to be a pilot. I don't know if any of them will want to do this stuff. Um, I think as they get older, they're going to think it's freaking awesome. Sure. And I'm glad I have, you know, a lot of old video that to show them as they get older. I mean, what kid isn't going to be kind of stoked on it? I, I would think. You would think, yeah, for yeah, sure. I would think. And, and I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I took, I basically stopped doing that crap as soon as my kids were born. You know? Sure. Oh, well, that was, I need to shut that, door. Yeah, that was kind of my, uh, um, my reason for never starting base jumping is uh, I ended up having a daughter. So about the time, uh, I would have started doing all the really crazy stuff. I went, Oh no, it's not just me anymore. So 40, how about you? Yeah. yeah same really. It's, um, it's, it's strange how detached they are from what I do. Mm. That's it. You know, they know I skydive. Exactly they they know yeah. how much I skydive, and it's as if it they don't have a perception of what skydiving is. I mean, nine and eleven years old. I mean, obviously they're old enough that uh, sure they 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 know what I do. Sure. Um, but at the moment, yeah, it's not even it's not even something that's on their radar. Yeah, exactly. They don't they don't really quite. Yeah, it's exactly it. So it's, it's true. In in regard to a lot of your your pilot stuff, you did a shitload of stuff, not just jumping, but quite a bit of stuff flying as well. I mean, you're quite the accomplished pilot. Yeah, you know, it, it. I actually started asking them. That was the thing is when it started getting really crazy towards the the, the last season of the show. I said, "Man, could we like do some flying stuff?" Do you hear the kids? Let me, yeah. let me shut the door. Open. Yeah, please, please. Okay, That's yeah. Yeah, you know, I. Uh, yeah, my I'll always be a pilot, and I'll always be you know uh, I'm most comfortable flying, and I'll be doing that. I do that still, you know, two or three times a week, and I'll mm. do it till I'm an old man. That's something I'm going to continue to do because it's it's really where my core. Mm. Uh, it's it's the thing I wanted to do originally, but with the show, that was one thing I, I said. Hey, could we like, you know, I'm a I'm a pretty good pilot too. Could is there anything we could do with me flying a plane? You know, and I had I'd done some really cool stuff in the very beginning. And then we stopped doing that stuff. I, you know, the one of the cool things was flying my plane through the Grand Canyon. I don't know if you ever saw that. That was yep. early on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I, 
flying is more, I'm far more of a natural pilot than a skydiver. You know, I didn't, I've been, you know, I've been flying for almost 30 years and skydiving. I only did five or six solid years of skydiving before I really, you know, I, I started to take long breaks and really just started doing it a lot less frequently. So um, I'd say I'm definitely more of a pilot than a skydiver, especially nowadays. But early on in the show, you know, I just wanted to get as many flying stunts in there as I could, you know, because I, I said, hey, I'm a pilot, too. Are there sure. any things I can do, you know, flying? And the one thing I put in there that uh, wasn't part of the plan, it was to fly through the Grand Canyon. <laughs> and that was like one of my favorite stunts because it was my idea, something I wanted to do. And I was really narrow, man. It was I was like, I want to go through the narrowest section. And it was, you know, straight up Star Wars. It was sure. really cool. Oh, it had to be. I mean, that um, had to that be. That was one of the stunts I had. Quite the amount of permissions to get something like that done as well. I mean, they're pretty protective over the Grand Canyon. Well, it's the Navajo Nation. That's where we always do all that stuff. It's actually outside of the park. It's the it's Indian land, and we you know they can do whatever they want. We pay them. Yeah, so they're real good about that. Gotcha. But the helicopter pilot wouldn't wouldn't follow me back there. That's what's so funny. Um, <laughs> I had done a bunch of practice runs on my own and it's 1500 feet deep and it gets to the point where it's only like 200 feet wide. I mean, it is narrow. It is so narrow. And I had done like two or three days practicing, knowing the line, getting lower and lower and lower. And when the helicopter, when we finally did the real run, you know, I started getting, it started getting narrower, but it wasn't even anywhere near how narrow it it gets towards the end. It was early on. The helicopter pilot said, okay, we're good. We're done. We don't need to go any further. I was like, yeah, they bailed out. <laughs> but it was because they were smart. They're like, this guy's an idiot. I mean, it was truly like, if I had lost my engine, it was over. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was really a stupid thing to do. <laughs> well, I, 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 I mean, hey, I mean, I was 25. That's kind of the majority of the, the list that I look at, though. I mean, the, the, a lot of the stuff that you did, there was really not a lot of room for error and not a lot of room for mistakes. <laughs> I mean, a lot of the stuff. Yeah, some some more than others for sure. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. Looking definitely. back on all of it, what was the what was the the sketchiest one, and what was your all time favorite? You know what? Uh, I'll tell you. All time fa- well, all time favorite has has always been the plane to plane. Mm. I just love the plane plane to plane stunt. It's just the dynamics of it are so cool, and it's not stressful. It's just really cool. It's not a super dangerous stunt. It's just, you know, you just got to get it done. Sure. You got to just, you know, uh, you have a certain amount of time to get to the plane. It's all just, you know, having the skill to do it. But as far as the one that scared me the most, and then there's the one where I did the stupidest, the closest call. But the one that scared me the most was the base jump through the window. <laughs> um, that, you know... I'll tell you what, I, I just, I've never been more scared in my life and I didn't expect it. I thought, okay, it's a, you know, it's a base, it was 450 feet or something through candy glass. You know, the dynamics of it are like, no big deal. It's just a base jump. Just forget about the glass. Right. Just don't even, that was the main thing was I did some training going through candy glass and the, the main thing was forget it's there. Just, just do a base jump. Forget the glass is there. But the day of we get there. And it's this, you know, it's this abandoned, you know, high rise building and you're going up the elevator. You're already nervous and you're going up this elevator and then you walk into the, it's just this gutted, <laughs> like just cold steel and just crap all over the place. It's dark. It just felt like death was <laughs> waiting for you there. Right. You walk, walk in and you're like, if I'm going to die, this feels like the place I'm going to die. It was just spooky. And I, I actually got really sick to my stomach and had to go back down and take a break because I, 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 I just, something, it was like, and you know, a lot of people would say that's the moment where you're, you're being given the sign. Sure. This is not right. And you know, I, I've, I think we've all gotten those signs. I just pushed through them <laughs> because it's like, I, I mean, so many things where we all say, well, someone's telling me this ain't right. I mean, I think any of us get that feeling. You got to, I just say, screw, I got to push through. Sure. I can't just, if every, if every sign, if every sign I saw was, I actually said, no, I'm going to step down. You know, I would have never done anything. Right. You know, but that day I was just so scared. And so I, I finally, I just got the freaking balls up to just get up and do it. 
And it went great. Uh, but then Todd Shoebotham, they wanted another camera angle uh, with the camera mounted backwards. This was way before GoPros. Sure. So you can only take one camera at a time. So Todd, I figured Todd Shoebotham, guys, no problem. We thought no problem. You know, this guy's he's been around base jumping forever. He did exactly what I was worried I was going to do. He went through the glass and went to protect his face. Mm. Like he actually let the, he let the glass get in his head. He actually didn't think it like I, he didn't just say forget about the glass. He actually thought about the glass, kind of put his hands in front of him and just went straight head down down mm. the face of the building. And it was so fright. It scared the shit out of him. He ended up doing this half twisting front flip bailout thing. And you could hear the shaking in his voice when he landed. I mean, it's, it scared the shit out of everybody. Sure. And that was what I was most scared was going to happen is I was going to, I was going to do that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but the stunt, the stunt that was just the fucking, I did the, I was just an idiot, just a stupid where I did the stupidest thing ever. And most skydivers that saw it said that was stupid that you did that was landing on the landing on the train. Remember that landing on the train? <laughs> yep. I mean, I had an angel on my shoulder that day. That I shouldn't be alive. I got lucky, and honestly, it was that's a perfect example of when the pressure of production makes you do something. Sure. Because we had one shot at that. It was a full day of prep. The train was like twenty grand. It was like, we can only do this once. And we had practiced it, practiced it, practiced it. And it, was, it had to be perfectly timed. They wanted the camera truck to be in a certain spot where the train was, where this was, where that was. And we had done practice jumps to time it. And on the jump, I just happened to get a pilot shoot hesitation. Oof. It just took me down a little bit lower than the, what we had planned. So now I realize, whoa, the train's not going to be able to make it to the spot before it's time for me to land. And I'm in my breaks. I'm doing everything I can, but I'm like, it's not going to be where they want it. And I pushed it as far as I could. Just, just, and then I got, then I got behind the train, you know, now I was a little bit behind it. I'm like, Oh, now I got to catch back up to it. Now I'm actually, I don't even know if I'm going to make it. Right. And it was that moment where I think most people probably would have just said no way. And just, and I, all I thought was we only got one shot at this. It was that whole pressure got in my head and I went for it. And I, you know, I, I, you see in the video, I cut away and I just fall off the back and I disappear. And that, I mean, that should have been the end of me, but I was just lucky enough that there was some metal thing back there that caught me, you know, and kept me from falling off the back. It was just, I took so much shit for that and I deserved it. I mean, oh. it was just the stupidest, stupidest thing. Well, you know, it's funny because if you listen to your stories from Pretty much from start to finish, it's almost like you've just had this fucking guardian angel on your shoulder. Oh, through sure. through pretty for much sure. all yeah, of it. I, it, which is astounding, but it's also wonderful, especially considering you were doing this shit at a time when the pressure on you must have been insane. Because, like I said before, this was the heyday for the general public in regard to skydiving. I mean, you had to have known that you were kind of in a in an extremely unique position then, and so I can't even imagine the amount of pressure you were under to to perform to get it done. It, it was that I was stressed out. I was very stressed out toward the end of all of that. We were just doing things just too fast. The bar kept having to go up. And, uh, yeah, the pressure was huge. And they were waiting for me to quit. The producers, when I finally – I mean, I quit. I, that's how the show ended. Right. I finally went to the producers and said, I, I cannot do this anymore. Right. I'm just losing sleep. And they laughed. They said, we thought you were going to do this like six months ago. <laughs> They were basically saying their whole thing was the show will go on until Troy quits or dies, basically. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, that was it. And, I, and they, they were like – everybody was like a collective sigh of relief. For sure. They're like, good, good. We weren't going to tell you to stop. Thank God you said you're done. We're happy. We're done. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, they're not going to turn off the yeah. Truman Show. They want that shit to keep going, man. <laughs> 
<laughs> Fucking yes. hell. I mean, both yeah, of you guys, I mean, especially starting out in, in sky surfing, which turned out to be a hell of a lot more intense than it ever was portrayed to the general public. I mean, people that didn't do it never realized that how the fear that a lot of camera flyers had <laughs> anytime they were around a board. Oh, God. Yeah, no I mean, kidding. all of that stuff it turned out to be such an intense time in skydiving that also gave so much to the sport. So it's, uh, again, I, I think that it's funny because I've got, you know, you on Skype and, and 40, I've got you sitting here. And these are two pioneers in a part of skydiving that along with free flying pushed it into what it's become now so it cracks me up that outside of the small you know sport that we have nobody remembers a lot of this stuff it cracks me up <laughs> yeah i know and dude i'm just stoked that we're still here bro <laughs> right <laughs> tell you what just so happy to still even be on this planet right? after you know with all all the friends we've lost and right. just all the it's just well, Seriously, actually, yeah. Actually, I wanted to ask both of you, and I, I forgot earlier, sky surfing kind of seemed to be under a bit of a curse. It seemed to be the 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 discipline in skydiving that just all the bad shit happened to. Because I can't even count how many people that were intimately involved in sky surfing that aren't with us anymore. And I don't understand that. Yeah. I mean, it seemed to take an inordinate <clears throat> amount of jumpers. Yeah, it's weird because... Rob was the only one, if if I'm remembering correctly, really is the only one who died doing anything. No, he wasn't even on a board. None, nobody, none of the sky surfers died doing anything on a board, no. as far as I know. No. Um, none of us, right? Rob wasn't on a board. Uh, Patrick was doing a wingsuit, wingsuit thing. Vic, obviously, yeah. was totally unrelated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was re yeah, so it's like, I just think it was that maybe we were all at the forefront. I, I mean, Vic's thing was... Oh man. Vic's thing was totally different. That was just a, that was weird because you can understand what happened to Patrick and what happened to Rob. And, but with Vic, it's just like, geez, man, that was, uh, you know, I've yeah, never, that, I've that never really been able to, to settle Vic's death in my head. Cause it never made sense to me, um, how that all went down. And for anybody that's listening, that doesn't know the whole story, I'll keep it really brief. Um, Vic was killed shooting a video of a birthday four way. Uh, that was a bit of a gag jump for one of the jumpers. And he opened up above one of the jumpers, had a spinning malfunction and actually hit body to body with one of the other jumpers. I just could never wrap my head around why Vic ended up there um, in the first place because you're talking about a guy with thousands of jumps that knows exactly what's going on, an extremely accomplished camera flyer at that time. So I never could figure it out. And, of course, the fucked up part about it is we don't get to ask the question. It's, yeah. It's just – I know. I have no idea. Yeah, it's, it's one of those ones I can't explain. I can explain – Every other one of them, when someone asks, you know, what happened to so-and-so, oh, well, yeah, with Vix, I just, yeah, I have no clue. Well, I really, don't, I the really don't understand everything, you know? Well, and what made Vix even harder was the aftermath and his poor family and then the, yes. the, the long, drawn-out lawsuit and all of that stuff was just horrible for everyone. Um, and it, it was. And everybody thought the same thing, I'm sure, that I did, that if Vic had still been alive, he would have been horrified by everything that happened after the fact. Um, and it was just, it was a really sad time for skydiving, especially for his family, because, uh, uh, you know, kind of, uh, unfortunately for the sport, that lawsuit that they had, had to fail. Um, and it was fought yep. tooth and nail for skydiving, but I felt so bad for the family. I, I didn't want them mm -hmm. to lose the lawsuit, but they had to lose the lawsuit. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it just, yeah, it could not. That, that couldn't set any precedent there. No, no way. No, no, no. no. Yeah. That, yeah. Actually, that makes yeah. me want to ask both of you. Oh, yeah. Speaking of, because we talked about Lodi earlier and now talking about a lawsuit, have you heard the news what just came down the pike in regard to Lodi? Yep. I just read it yesterday. Holy it's crazy. That's, uh, shit. That's a first. What do you think this guy... That's a first. For, again, for those that are listening that don't know what happened, there's been a judgment in a lawsuit against Lodi for the 2016 fatality uh, in regard to a, a tandem where the instructor was not uh, properly rated. Um, and both the instructor and the student died. The family sued Lodi and was just awarded $40 million. 
Holy! I, know, what, I, know. I was shocked to read that. What do you think that does to the sport? Yeah, you know, if anybody's going to have that lose that lawsuit, it would be Bill Doss. Yeah. Um, if anybody was going to lose it, but I don't know. I've always wondered. It's. I've always thought if there was the negligence, you know, I thought the only thing that could ever be used in court was any form of negligence. Mm. Even though I think the waivers are so airtight these days, I think even. I think it, I haven't really read a waiver in, in ages, sure. but I would I would think even something like negligence is like, look, no, you can't sue. Period. Yeah. Yep. Um, no matter what. So it is. It's crazy. That's a, I saw that and I said the same thing. I said, holy shit. Yeah. I can't believe it happened. It's a wild precedent. I you mean, know? I know that the that yeah. that waiver has been taken to court, or at least the the um, the basic waiver for Tandos has been taken to court more than a few times, and it's always lost hands down because people are signing. Yep. Um, so yep. I was kind of blown away, but in the same thought, I had to think exactly what you did, which is, of course it was Lodi. Um, yeah. you're talking about a place that since the eighties has had a couple of dozen fatalities. So yeah, it was going to be Lodi. Yep. Yeah. What do, what but do you it think? does set precedent. Yeah. Well, that's, I think because they operated outside of the association. Do you think that makes a difference though? Cause it's still just a waiver. I don't know. It is. It is. And I don't know the, the story behind it. I've not jumped at Lodi in a way. I'm, I'm a little bit sad. I haven't jumped at Lodi because it was, it was like that pirate ship <laughs> yes. floating out at sea, you know? And, uh, <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, it would have been nice to have visited, uh, you know, because everyone I've ever met that's jumped there and I've jumped with the, the free fly guys. That have a fantastic crew. Like, sure. Such a cool crew. Um, and they love it. Yeah. They absolutely love it. And you can't say anything negative against it. And I wouldn't because I've never been there. And But it was always that place. It's like, uh-huh, yeah. And there's that's the place where yeah. there's an accident waiting to happen. There's always those stories about it. So from the outside, it's like, wow. Yeah. It wasn't looking at the actual incident that there's uh, been awarded the money for. I mean, an unrated tandem yeah. instructor. I mean, not that he knew he was unrated, most likely. Uh, but, I mean, that whole... Sure. Uh, Error after error after error, uh, and look at the amount of people that lost those ratings afterwards. Sure, they went through the paperwork and realized. But from what I've read, the guy had only lost his examiner's rating because someone's medical wasn't sent in somewhere, something along those lines. So that's why his examiner's sure. rating had expired. So he had been an examiner. So it's a it's a strange uh, yeah it's no strange it's definitely one, a weird one but unfortunately uh, uh, Bill's and Lodi's history kind of got them there. I mean, we've all seen the video of the little old lady in the purple jumpsuit that almost fell out of her harness. Ugh, oh my Jesus. fucking yeah. god! The first that time I saw just... that video, I'm like, I'm about to watch a woman die. Yeah, it's yeah. rare. It's rare when I watch skydiving and I've you know you watch all the different videos. It's rare that I will look at it and cringe i mean a lot of it you just like oh yeah you're a dumbass. Yeah. You, you kind of you know that was that was coming but that one the whole oh. thing it's just you feel for the tandem instructor she didn't have a clue what was going no. on but the tandem instructor i mean the amount of tandems oh, I've done, i just think how horrific yeah well and know. she actually went on to try and defend the tandem instructor after the fact and of course every tandem instructor in the country was like are you fucking kidding me yeah. but again <laughs> it was lodi it was yeah. uh, the place just had uh, um, had a horrible run of either bad luck or yeah. bad choices. One of the two. Yeah, the caravan going in and oh, uh, dude, and, well, yeah. all of it, all that's of it. So well, much, huh? I mean, that it's, yeah, I think it's the it's the culture. I mean, that's the whole reason I ended up there doing what I did with the board. It's <laughs> right. like it's just the culture. Once everybody starts thinking a certain way, it's it yeah, bad. they start just taking yeah. shortcuts and you know just start smoking pot before they go jump and just whatever sure. you know, start doing this stuff so um yeah if you go to a drop zone where you've got you know a dzo that's like making it known you fuck up you're grounded type thing and you get that in your head then people start self-policing and sure. start thinking a little more probably but sure i mean load i served it served it has served a great purpose <laughs> for yeah. a lot of things yeah like, for sure of, there's a you lot know, of uh, very uh, pro Lodi people out there, and and uh, I'm I'm pro people from Lodi. I'm not pro Lodi, so I know a right. lot of jumpers that jump Lodi, and I fucking love them, and I think they're amazing skydivers and amazing people, and they jump Lodi because it was cheap, and they kept an eye out for themselves. Um, I and I yep. get that. I was just never a fan of the operation itself, but I was always a fan of the jumpers from there. So it's a, it's kind of a weird balancing act you got to do when you talk about Lodi. So because Lodi, it's, it's really 
it's really Bill Doss. He's a god damn that guy. He's a character. Just he's he's just a loose cannon. Yep, 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 <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, so don't know what. Uh, yeah. I, I wanted to ask too. So, uh, being at the forefront and now kind of looking back at it all and seeing the future of skydiving, are you um, happy with the direction you see skydiving going? Happy with the 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 changes, the innovations, the wind tunnel, the wingsuits, and all that stuff? I mean, are are you stoked about it all? Oh man, the only thing I'm not stoked about is that I'm not more involved with all of it right now. <laughs> it's I mean, seriously, I want to get back out and I want to be a part of all the stuff people all the stuff that's going on i just think it's great um and my kids you know i want to get the kids in the wind tunnel i think it's just fantastic there's that option sure um wingsuiting is you know that's that's my favorite thing probably to do and i see what everybody's what you know i stopped wingsuiting again i really stopped jumping about seven years ago actively mm. i still do it you know but not and back then the wingsuits were started you know they were pretty neat but now i see what the wingsuits are like i'm like i can't wait to get back out there and try some of this new technology um i I, i'm stoked on it and you know who who knows what we're gonna see even you know going forward sure it's it's all really really cool do you see your kids wanting to jump i don't know yeah it's such a weird thing they all their personalities um maybe one of them I see kind of having that little bit of radical, like uh, he's a feeler and that's, uh, there's two, you know, it's interesting. There's seems like there's two types of people I often hear about that really get into skydiving and really go far with it. There's the ones who are, they're, they're big time feelers. They're passionate. They're, they're just, you know, they're the feelers. And then you got the, the technicians, I call them. I'm a technician. I'm an engineer at heart. And I got into it as a pilot because I saw, this skill set that could be developed. And I saw how, you know, like how you can improve upon this discipline. Um, my one, one of my sons, he's such a feeler. Like Mm. he's just gonna, he, he, and he's the one that jumps off from the top of the slide (laughs) straight out. It's like, he's the one because he just sees it as like, I want to feel that. I want to know what that feels like. So he might, I I can see it. Um, Yeah. You think the kids are going to jump? Uh, the eldest, uh, the lad, I'm not sure. He's, he's real chilled. And, mm. and, uh, they, the young lady, she's nine. Okay. And she just wants to climb trees. Oh, um, so oh yeah, massively. It so might be her she, sport. Yeah, I could imagine. Yeah. Uh, especially like if she hits 12 and I'm still chucking drugs. Sure. Then definitely she'd be up for it i'm not sure if next year when he's 12 he'll be quite as keen <laughs> but then again 12 12 is is a super young age which i'm not you know not, not sure isn't that one of the coolest things at that age, so. isn't that one of the coolest things about skydiving though is is gender plays very little to do with who yeah. is and isn't oh, a skydiver oh, and who oh. wants to be because i know so many female skydivers that are so much more gung-ho than guys yeah. which oh. is fucking awesome Another good reason I got out of sky surfing was because of Tanya. <laughs> right? Are you kidding? I didn't need her. I didn't need her kicking my ass. I was like, okay, now is a good time to retire. <laughs> well, I've, I've told this story before. Myself and and uh, Mary Tortomasi were getting into sky surfing, and we were still quite young in it, and and uh, uh, far from impressive. And we ended up going into the '98 Nationals in the open because there was no one in the intermediate. So we're like, well, oh, fuck okay. it. We'd rather yeah. lose to Craig and Tanya than win by ourselves. And uh, Craig and Tanya were obviously just a devastating team, and they were so much better than us that they were giving us tips on what to do on the way up in the plane, which is both amazing and also just horrible at the same time because you're like, (laughs) there's just, they know they're going to destroy us so badly that they're helping us do better. Right. right, So, yeah, those two, it was such an incredible team. They had such chemistry. I mean, the only chemistry that we only saw from a few teams, and that was you guys that were in the X games and and Craig and Tanya after the fact and I've seen an actually a resurgence in people wanting to jump boards again um so it would almost be nice to see a bit of a renaissance when it comes to sky surfing I mean it was a uh, fucking uh, great discipline I have seen I, I've yeah. gotten a lot of emails in the last two years from guys uh wanting to find out how to get a board hmm. and there's no one making them anymore so they're they're searching around for old ones and they're building their own and um, you know, Stefania, uh, yeah. has, has the sky on stage. Um, 
I've been judging that. I think it's really cool. We have, you know, a few people now they can put their performances up and, um, yeah, it's coming back a little, it's never going to be huge. Um, but it's, it's nice to see that there are still people interested in it and willing to put in the work. Um, and, and there's, they're good. Some of these guys, man, it's like, wow, they're really good. They're learning quick. Well, and it's, I mean, they've got such a great platform to, to go from because the stuff that you guys were doing, I mean, it seems like ages ago now to some people, it still seems like yesterday to me that I'm watching guys like you and, and Rob and Patrick and all these amazing sky surfers just doing shit that blew me away and still to this day does. I mean, I'll watch some of your old videos uh, of you and Troy flying and you're just shaking your head going, Jesus, this was long before there were wind tunnels to train in and long before you, I mean, it was, you were earning it 45 seconds at a time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, a That's whole a yeah. whole different fucking ball game back then. I tell you now, Mike still rocks it. Yeah, Mike came back into the sport. Uh, Mike Frost was uh, my PlayStation uh, SkySurf partner and had uh, had kids. You know, chilled, got out of the sport for a while, and he's like, 40 I'm coming back, 40 I'm coming back." And this happened for about eight years. And I'm like, "Dude, either come back or stop talking about coming back." You know? <laughs> right. And he rocked up on the drop zone one day, and he's got this, you know, five foot board, and I'm like, "And what the hell do you think you're gonna do with that?" And he went, "Oh, that's I'm back." And I went, "You just can't rock up after ten years, bro, and just get out on a board." Although you're probably better on a board than you are without one. Right. I've got to be fair there. <laughs> and literally, he did He did like a few sit flight. Literally, we're running in. He's doing a sit fly jump. He's doing a solo. And he turns around to me and he's literally broken this really old altimeter. Like the strap's just broke. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, you are an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm fixing his strap as everyone else is getting out of the plane. And he's like, oh, thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. I'm a bit nervous. And he gets out. And within five jumps, he's back on the board. And he's chucking hen house. He's chucking the all the moves. No he's way. doing. Yeah, wow, honestly. Yeah. And he's like, you got to come out and film me. you got to come out and take some pictures. And people love him because, yeah. A, Mike is just one of the nicest guys in the world, but people love jumping with a guy on a board because they've never seen it live. Sure. They've only sure. seen it on the on the screen. And I've so had the living... To get out and fly with him, especially now free flying has come such a long way yeah. compared to what we were doing with the sky surfing back in the day. You know, People are so accomplished now sure. with the free flying. And people, he goes tracking and angle... They're angle flying with him and he's flying through the sky. He loves it. Yeah. And he can't angle fly, but he can fly with a board at that angle. So right. it's, yeah, the guys think he's he's just like a toy. I so, mean, my God. Remember, That's inspiring, man, because I, I'm scared of the idea of getting back on the board. I, I, it's been so long. Like, I don't even ever consider doing that again. Well, so Mike scares me that, when he jumps great. without a board. So it's, uh, the, I, I'll tell you what, the idea of having a camera on my head and facing off with a Tom Stanton again is horrifying. There's yeah. no fucking oh, way. We had a Stanton board. Yeah. What was the guy, what yeah. was the guy at uh, Paris? Bill. He was a really big camera Bill guy. Beaver. Bill Beaver. Bill Beaver. And the guys used yeah. to treat him like a space ball, like the free fly guys. He'd get <laughs> yes. out and they'd, he'd be there belly down and he was a big lad and he'd be hanging out and the fly boys were gripping on him and carving around him. And that's kind of like they treat Mike now. Jesus. Yep. How long yeah. did it come? How long did it take you to come up with the hen house surprise? Because that was your signature move and that was one fucking hell oh, of a that move. Was, that was a beautiful. I mean, that, that was, was the two moves that stand out to me more than anything in sky surfing were Joe's tidy bowl in the hole and the hen house surprise yeah 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 that hen house surprise is really what that's what carried us you know that's what changed the game for us and it's just one of those things i was out there just trying stuff trying stuff and what was so funny is i would spend a week just you know trying these new things and then i would get into some weird spin or something i'd be like whoa this this seems really cool this is probably awesome i can't wait to have vic come out and film it so then Vic would come out, he'd, he'd, he'd come up with me, I'd do it, I'd, we'd land, I'd walk up to him really excited, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, right, what do you think? And he'd just he'd be like, well, let's go back and talk about it. <laughs> oh, dude, honestly, that our relationship, that... our relationship's almost identical, Mike and I. Yeah. It's so funny, I listened to you earlier when you were saying about, like, he, Vic would kind of manage your expectations, and I was yes. so much like that with Mike. <laughs> It's incredible the role that the camera plays. He sees it before I do, and he's like, he already knows. Yeah, he's already shaking his head. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. So, you're inside the spin. Yeah. 
over and over we'd, we'd go through that motion and then yeah. then i was working on something else and then suddenly and you know i flipped upside down and i was holding on to the board and, and the thing that got me is when it happened i was like whoa this is the straightest i've ever seen a spot on the ground i said mm. this is so pinpoint straight i said this is like whoa this is weird i said this seems really cool and so when I had Vic come out and film it, I had, at that point I had already thought, well, I might be, you know, let down again. <laughs> so he comes up, he shoots it. We land. I walk up to him kind of, you know, trying to play it down, like not act too excited. Cause I'm like, don't want to, you know, and, and I could, he just, I could see his face <laughs> and I said, so what do you think? He goes, Holy fucking shit, dude. He's like, Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, that's pretty much. That's I think that's what I said the first time I saw it's it. It's an incredible move. Yeah. How did yeah. you name it? Yeah. Where'd the name come oh, from? Oh, I know the name. Oh, I was. You know, it was around the time I just come out with it. Hadn't given it a name. And honestly, it wasn't even that. I can't even say I was super creative. I was watching some funniest home videos thing, <laughs> and there was this. There was this kid in a hen house, and he was doing something. And suddenly this big old rooster pops its head up like four frame, like its head is just filling the frame and does its whole, you know, just, and it, you see the kid just freak out like this reaction. I, I mean, it was one of those clips. It was so funny. I had to watch it over and over. And then they said, that's the hen house surprise folks. Oh, boom. There it I is. Thought, hen house surprise. It's a hen house surprise. Cause I hadn't brought it out yet. Right. And I'm thinking, I want to give the other sky surfers that same reaction. Like bust that thing out. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, when we did bring it out was in Titusville or Sebastian. It was in Sebastian. And probably one of the highlights for me ever with the sport was we landed. We, had, you know, we turned our tapes in. Now we go to watch them, you know, in the tent. Our jump comes on and Patrick, Patrick was always videoing. He always had his big video camera and he was videoing the screens mm. of everybody's performances and so when ours came on, I just watched Patrick. I was just, <laughs> I was just watching him. And the reaction when the hen house surprised at the very end of the jump, just hit, I saw his jaw drop. <laughs> I saw <laughs> his mouth go open and I, he pulled the camera down from his eye and just looked at the screen. And then, and then he looked and then he, he looked over, he saw me and he, he just, he just gave me this nod. Like, and that was such a big moment. I mean, that was huge. That was just the neatest thing. Oh, it had to be. Um, yeah, yeah. So then I was surprised. I, I, I lucked out that I discovered it before someone else did. Um, it's not a hard move. I don't know. Some people think it's really hard. I think it's pretty easy. I don't know about you. I found it to be actually kind of easy. You just kind of had to discover it. Wow. But, um but there, was a few take, there was a few takes on it afterwards, right? So, Yo, when yeah. You, when you, when yeah. you um, first did it, the board was at, uh, like a forty-five degree angle, and then, and then, and then there was people doing it flat, and then Sean was doing it with one finger, like yeah. towards the ground, yeah. and then people were doing it, was. it with no hands on the board, just locking right. it back in, uh, and it, uh -huh, uh -huh. everyone did their own take on the hen house, and it was such a beautiful move, especially like on it the really... horizon, just and like you say, with the pinpoint, you you look at the spot on the ground the board the outside of the board is absolutely buzzing round, and the the center yeah. point never moves and you can Nothing. when it was perfect it was beautiful it's yeah which it was beautiful. It really i was. still because I've, I've i've only ever ridden a fucking board in the in the vegas wind tunnel for christ's sakes i've only ever watched it from the outside filming and i never could understand how in the fuck you guys wouldn't land and throw up all over the place because the amount of spinning that you would do, I couldn't, how the hell you could even land a parachute after spinning yourselves like that was beyond me. Well, yeah, you definitely were, you weren't really the safest canopy pilot for about the first <laughs> 45 seconds after opening. You just had to hope no one was near you because it was, you were definitely regaining your composure. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. I mean, I think that was probably the one thing that stood out the most about um, sky surfing over any other of the disciplines in skydiving was that it was so just vicious at times yeah. with yes, the moves vicious, that you i yes. mean it, that, that's the only way i could put it and and that was why i had always kind of thought that when i saw uh, sean do the invisible man that that kind of was the nail in the coffin is that it was just getting so 
over the top that there were only two ways to go, either the finesse of someone like Tanya or to go even more extreme than Sean. And there's just not that many people out there that can do either. Well, I don't think I don't think anybody spun faster than Sean. I no. don't know. I remember when Sean was doing that. It was like he took it to such a breakneck speed that it. I mean, yeah, he was like in pain and had just he had therapists after every jump and well, all didn't this he? Stuff. He, he was duct tape duct taping his arms yeah, to not was, blow out his blood vessels we for fuck's sake. Casa. We were sat on the casa and like on that. Like gridiron plate, which super uncomfortable. Jump after jump after jump. I think it was in um, Space Center, Titusville, and and we'd been down Walgreens to get the the stretchy bandage. And part, like six grand on the way up, Mike would roll his sleeves up, and I'd start just gently creping his arms oh up, to, up to the elbows, because he'd had like uh, bloodshot eyes. His hands were swelling up. He said, oh, "I'm finding it difficult to throw my pilot chute because my my fingers are swelling up." And I'm like, "Oh my!" Oh. Well, I'd already worked in the Air Force on G trousers and high altitude um, pressure suits. So for me, I'm like, well, if we can stop the blood pooling in your hands, then we can uh, we can eliminate that problem, right? And the way we do that is by uh, you know they inflate the trousers to keep yep. the legs from from filling with blood, so you don't like you don't black out. I said, well, we'll do the same with your arms. He's like, okay, Jesus, <laughs> yeah. Mike would do, do anything. I was like, yeah, okay. So that's what we did. That's a that's a fucking step too far for me, as far as I'm concerned. When <laughs> when no, when you got to go to those. else is looking at you on the plane, going. What the hell yeah. are the Brits doing? It's like, I'm oh, just uh, just wrapping his arms in bandages, so guys. Pull. Nothing going on here. Fucking hell. <laughs> it really did get it really did get weird. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean but in such an amazing way. I mean, it really was yeah. just uh, uh it, it, to be able to look back on it and, and even for me to have had such a small part and then to be able to share in all the stories with everybody yeah, that that really got hardcore into it. There was now, a guy called Charles Boone who used to film Tanya before Tanya and Craig were flying together. I think they were called Chacha and the Gringo, mm. and he used to put a foam, like it looked like a face or like a like a literally like a the face off of a, of a bust, mm. and it would made of foam, and he would put it in his jumpsuit to give him an aerodynamic that he could fly with Tanya because there were certain things she was doing was too fast for him and he couldn't free fly. Oh. So he would put this kind of wedge, pointy thing in the jumpsuit to make him faster for some of the moves she was doing when she was inverted. And I'm sat on the plane going, what's that guy stuffing down his jumpsuit? It looks like a walk. It's like there was some innovation going on from all corners. Yeah. Well, I remember it's when uh, when I saw uh, Zipser starting to fly camera for, and I forget who he was flying with. Um, but a sky surfer, and I'm like, oh well, now I'm fucked because if Olaf Zipser is going to oh, be the next well, iteration of a camera right. flyer for sky surfing, I'm yeah, done. Dude, I remember at Paris when I watched, we watched the rounds, and we were in the tryouts, and um, and obviously Troy and Vic are already smashing it, so we're just trying to get into the competition. And you know, you can you can look at the rounds and judge the angles and the speed, and and you're like, yeah, that's that's cool, that's cool. And Olaf went out with Charlie Bryan, Charles Bryan, yep. and. I didn't have a clue whether he was up, down, who was spinning, oh, who was flipping. Nuts. It was everywhere. It was like there were two guys in the same airspace just going off doing their own thing, and one happened to be looking at the other one. Yeah, and right, like, and yet they scored really well because I think the judges just sat there and looked at each other and went, "I have no clue what." I they don't just know did. what to do with that. I just, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, it, yeah. yeah. Uh, all of it. I mean, it's between the, the well. It was such an amazing time anyway because it was sky surfing, it was free flying, it was everything coming out at once. This is the same time the Chronicles videos are coming out. So skydiving's just got this kind of badass bad boy edge to it, and there's guys in hot tubs with hot chicks and fucking jumping <laughs> off of cliffs and stuff. So what a great time to be in skydiving, oh, right? Plus we had the we had it the was. free flyers. We had the free flyers along on the uh, pro tours as well. So yeah. we had the flyboys, Eli, Fritz, oh, yeah, uh, Mike Ortiz, these guys, and they got like furry hats and stuff, and they're in yep. su- they're in yep. suede or like they're in suede or uh, whatever yep. jumpsuits and running around each other. And like, dude, those Just guys were an absolute incredible blast. stuff. And from that yeah. to to um, again hitting the mainstream stuff, which I still credit you with so much of bringing skydiving into uh, mainstream consciousness, but with the the fucking long list of the crazy shit that you did. <laughs> So, speaking of, um, how do people how do people find all those old videos? How do people get to see all the shit that we've been talking about if they weren't there to see it? How do they find the Goose video? How do they find out more about Troy Hartman? 
Well, you know, I have I have been uploading some videos. I, I'm trying to find so many more of them that I just can't get. I've been mm. bugging MTV to see if they'll give me some of the old videos. It's weird. I can't get them. But I do on YouTube. I do have a channel. Uh, just type in Troy Hartman. Uh, you're going to find my channel. And I there's a lot of great videos I uploaded on there. Um, yeah, you can find uh, most of the really good ones are on there. Awesome. Uh, my web my website's just an archaic piece of junk. Don't need to go there. <laughs> Just go to YouTube and you'll be, you'll be all set. <laughs> Fair enough. Now for, for somebody that's um, listened to this or they've been watching people sky surfing and stuff and they've decided, Hey, I want to give it a shot. Obviously we're not recommending at uh, 20 jumps, building a board and going to Lodi, <laughs> but how would you recommend someone uh, first off, when in their career should they start? How many jumps and how would you recommend a progression for somebody that wants to give it a whirl you know i i don't know what i think it's 200 200 jumps now andrew there people are recommending i don't really know I what yeah, I, I, I think it's 200 jumps let's be fair you can never be too experienced to get on a sky no. surfboard that's hmm. that's it. it's true it's uh true so once you, your feet are strapped in you're stuck hmm. that's it so you're stuck <laughs> i think the main thing that i've told a lot of people with the sky surfing you know, you go out with the small board, the sideways board, you, you get used to that, but you can only go so far with that before you have to really get on the uh, forward-facing uh, stance. And I, I've told a lot of people, just spend time getting off the board, like, you know, off state from standing and being like, you know, get on your back or hang-ups, whatever. Spend time learning how to recover mm. before you just spend a bunch of time trying to learn tricks. You know, guys say, well, I want to go out and I want to learn all these backflips, front flips, this and that. I say, man, just go out, get on your back and try to get back up mm. and do that. Uh, just keep doing that until you're confident you can get back up on the board from, from anything. Once you know that you can do that, now you can start doing anything because you're not worried about like, am I going to lose control? You, sure. That's the key. That's my main piece of advice I tell most people. Nice, yeah. nice. If you're comfortable when you're out of control, then uh, everything else becomes easy, huh? Yeah. That's right. That's right. Because so you're going to be out of control a lot. That's the same <laughs> on the wingsuit too, right? It's like don't get a bigger wingsuit until you've chucked yourself around on that one, on your head, on your back, and sure. everything. Because uh, once you go too big, it's a bit too late. Now, you said you That's were right. kind of itching to be back in the scene. Is there, uh, is there uh, any jumping stuff in the in the works on the way? Are you thinking you're going to actually try and get back out and, and get back into it? Or is it just kind of a... I know I will. It's just I'm trying to figure out at what age, you know, with my kids sure. that I'm going to feel comfortable really. And Sarah, too. She, she wants to get back into it. Um, we're just like, hey, there's going to be a time when the kids are going to be like, hey, why don't you go do that? Sure. And... Uh, and, and I'm excited. I'm really excited to get back into it. But it's it, the time will come. It'll it'll seem right. Uh, sure. Just, I, don't, I don't really know when. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, uh, obviously, family takes precedence, and uh, who knows? You might end up with a couple of younger skydivers wanting to go out with you. <laughs> so you never know. Fun. I mean, I'd be into it. Awesome. Yeah, it'd be. Troy, I tell you what, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time, man. I've wanted to get you on and talk to you for quite some time, and it's a fucking thrill to finally get to talk to you. I've been watching the shit that you've done all along since the beginning of my career, and finding out that you're just as crazy as I thought you'd be <laughs> is is fucking perfect. And 40 as well, to get you guys in, again, both of you guys were instrumental in so much of um, skydiving in the mainstream world and for those of us that were just getting into jumping you were such a driving force behind getting people to want to keep jumping that man between the interview and everything you've done I just can't thank you enough oh well thank you I noticed we almost went two hours so it must have been pretty good stuff absolutely <laughs> we'll man if anybody makes it through two hours, that'd be awesome. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I'll end up doing the same thing I think I did with Joe's. I chopped his into two episodes because there's just too much fucking cool shit to listen to. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, I had a great time talking with you guys. It's just it's a trip down memory lane. You know, I don't always talk about it. Uh, so it's always fun. Perfect. Really enjoyable. Perfect, man. Well, I'll tell you what. Again, thank you so much. You have a great afternoon. Say hello to the family for me. And I, I hope to hear stories of you back in the sky real soon. All right, man. See ya. Take care. 
All right, once again, there's another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void in the Can, brought to you by Pussfoot.com, the extreme sports collective. Head on over to Pussfoot.com, check them out. Brought to you by Summit Parachute Systems, Jarrett Martin, kick-ass rigging courses, amazing pilot rigs. Brought to you, well, by the one and only NZ Aerosports, because fuck yeah, please go check them out. And brought to you by me, The Fucking Pilot. You find me at thefuckingpilot.net or theprincesspilot.com. Both of them take you to the spot where you can get all of the podcasts as well as both the books I've written. That's The Fucking Pilot book and The Accidental Stripper, both available on digital and print. We'll see you next time.